Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And, uh, today we are going to be continuing our series on God, money and me. And uh, we've been sharing it for the last two weeks. And the reason we felt to do this series is because uh, money is a subject that Jesus spoke on more than anything else. He spoke on money and our relationship to it more than heaven and hell combined. He spoke on it more than faith and he spoke on it more than prayer. And so if Jesus felt it's important that we have an understanding of finances and our relationship to them, then we believe that it's important that we also continue to share that. The second reason that we are doing this series is because we're entering into uh, the Christmas period and you will be well aware and know that the Christmas season has often been nicknamed the silly season. And the reason they call it the silly season is sometimes we get um, so tired from the year that's been, we get so amped up for what's coming ahead that we just throw away basic principles and basic things and we just become silly in the silly season. And we just don't want you to be silly in the silly season and then 2016 be paying for some just uh, unwise decisions that you made at the end of this year. So we want to equip you with some uh, godly principles and keys so that we can never uh, this season well and that we can understand uh, the relationship that we have with finances and the responsibility that we also have with that. In the last two weeks, uh, Tony has been sharing about the seven laws of financial health. And I just want to, <coughs> I've got Vicky's frog. Must have jumped out of you and into me. And uh, so Tony's been sharing the seven laws of financial health. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been here, you've missed those services, or perhaps you were here, they were great teaching lessons. So on our website and on the podcast, you can go and download those for free and just get that stuff into your heart and spirit because it's good stuff for finances, but it's actually good stuff for life, good keys that help us navigate life well. And if you're here and you don't understand how to download, then go to the information desk, pop your name down, and we'll make sure somebody can help you to be able to get the devices you need so you can download those messages and you can be blessed too. So today I'm going to continue our series and the uh, subtitle that I want to speak about is The Art of Being Content. Everybody say content. Content. Now say content like you mean it, not like you're content, but content. Awesome. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And I don't know about you, but I know that we live in a society where all of us are wanting to get great gain. We're always wanting more. We're always after more. Um, Advertising and society is pushing the fact that we need more. And yet the scripture says that godliness with contentment is actually great gain. And what I've discovered in my life is that when my yearnings exceed my earnings, I get into trouble. In fact, Woody Allen was asked the question, how much money would make you happy? And quick as a flash, he answered back, just a little bit more. And we have to understand that that's the answer that every one of us will generally give. How much money will make you happy? Just a little bit more. We're always on that uh, exercise. We're always on that excursion. We're always on that treadmill that says, hey, I just want a little bit more. But unless you and I learn the art of being content, we will never 
Let me repeat that. We will never be satisfied no matter how much money you and I earn. Being content, I've discovered, is good for me financially. When I'm content with what I have, I'm not getting myself into debt. I'm not overextending or overcapitalizing myself. Being good, uh, being financial, uh, being uh, content is good for me financially. Being content is good for me spiritually. That scripture that I just said, 1 Timothy 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Being content is good for me spiritually. It's also good for me physically. When I'm content and when you are content, it's good for us in our physical body. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The Amplified puts it this way, A calm and peaceful and tranquil heart is life and health to the body, but passion and envy are like rottenness to the bones. You know what? Being content is actually good for your health. When you're content with what it is you have, then you are healthy on the inside because it says that a hankering for more literally eats away at the inside of you. So being content is good for you physically, but it's also good for us emotionally. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, It's better to be happy with what you have than to always want more and more. Always wanting more and more is useless. It's like trying to catch the wind. And I don't know about you, but we've got a uh, little puppy and you often see him, he's yapping at the wind. And it's a great picture, I think, of how we do life when we're not content. Because you want to look at him and say, Tobias, what do you, you, you can never catch the wind. But he was sitting there yapping, he's trying to grab it. And it's just a picture of you and I. That's how we appear to people when we are trying to grab things. When we're trying to, I'm trying to grab contentedness and we can't. So when we are content, we are, it is good for us emotionally. But the thing I've discovered, and, and you probably are aware of it too, is it's very hard for us to be content in today's society. Advertising is designed to keep us wanting more. Here's what advertising does. The purpose of advertising is to get us to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even know. That's, what, that's where advertisers make their big money. They're trying to convince you you need it. They're trying to convince you to buy something you don't need with money that you know what, you don't even have so that you can impress people you don't even know yet. That's the purpose of advertising. That's the society that we are living in today, which is why we're saying, hey, why is it so hard for us to be content? This is what advertising says to us. We had the privilege a couple of years ago to build a new home. And uh, when we built our new home, we wanted to have an outdoor um, portico entertaining area. So we had a um, under the roof sort of entertaining, they call it a um, pavilion, okay? So we wanted to have this pavilion, which is great. So we've got this new home with this pavilion attached. So we go outside and when we're outside, I look at our pavilion and I'm like, you know what? It needs decking. Because it's, it's just not finished. Nice roof, but it needs, so we do decking. So I'm outside in my pavilion, I've got my decking, but now I look around and I think, my $99 Big W barbecue just doesn't cut it. It just, it makes my decking look poor. So then I've been to Stratco and I've seen Stratco have this mega kitchen. 
like. It's got a marble top. It's got a six um, burner stainless steel with a hood and a rotisserie, mind you, barbecue. There's a sink to my left because, you know, when you have a barbecue, you need a sink. I don't know, maybe we put our defrosting meat. Oh, I might have to wash my hands because, you know, cross-contamination. But I, I need the sink, all right? On the right-hand side of my six-burner barbecue is a fridge, a bar fridge, because, you know, that would look great stacked with Pepsi Maxes so that when I'm entertaining or eating my barbecue, I don't have to go into the a house to get a Pepsi Max. It's right here. So I'm hocking myself up, getting into more and more decks, so I've got this mega U-Butte outdoor kitchen. So then I've got this outdoor kitchen that has the rotisserie because you know what, my oven's not really good enough. Not that I ever use my oven to make a lamb roast, but I may do a lamb roast on the barbie. You just never know. So I've got friends over and we're going to have a lamb roast dinner on the barbecue. And I turn around to my deck and think, well, I've got this mega outdoor kitchen, but we've got nowhere to sit and eat. So when I was at Stratco and saw my mega great kitchen, I also saw a very nice cabana kind of outdoor lounge. Beautiful wicker, really nice, soft, comfy cushions, right colour, measured. It's fit. Got to have the outdoor lounge. Now I'm eating my um, roast. Sorry, I forgot what I cooked because I don't really cook. But, <laughs> but I had to have my mega kitchen. So I'm sitting on my lounge. I think, you know what? It's just not, it just, it's not quite comfy. I've been watching the block. So I know that I need some styling. So not only do I have my nice lounge, but I need some cushions. Cushions that match, you know, they've got to be here. And then not only that, my, my coffee table, that matches my lounge, that if I bought that, I got it at a discounted rate at the same time when I bought my lounge, that you can't just have that for each need. That needs styling. Needs some knickknacks, some little um, plants. and It needs little things on it. And that, that's cool. So I've got it now. Mind you, I'm still borrowing money and I'm, I'm living beyond my means. I'm doing this, but I've got my lounge and I sit down to eat it. And, you know, we live in Golden Grove. And uh, who's heard of the gully breezes? You know what? Don't, don't turn the air conditioner on. Open up the house. The gully breezes will cool it down. You'll be fine. Well, the gully breezes are so lovely in our area that they can actually take the um, outdoor decking, uh, outdoor setting off the deck. They blow that hard that the, the, I wake up in the morning and our table and chairs are in the garden. So what do I need? I need cafe blinds. Because you know what, when we're out here entertaining, we just got to stop. You know, I could then use my outdoor uh, kitchen and I could use my outdoor living room 24, not 24 7, 365 days of the year. It, nothing will stop me. So I've got to have cafe blinds. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. That's what advertising and consumerism does to us. It just tells us what you have is good, but it could be better. And we need to know that, you know what, godliness with contentment is great gain. And this morning, I just thought in terms of continuing our God, Money and Me series, I want to talk about the art of being content. And what I want to share with us firstly is just some things that I've discovered that are fruits and not really nice fruits in my life when I'm not actually living in the space of being content. And so I just want to share them with you and I'm don't, don't nudge your neighbour just and don't beat yourself up. But if you hear something, just put a little asterisk and say, you know what, I think God's speaking to me on this area. So if you're not content, these are possibly some of the side effects, some of the fruit that you would see in your life. And the first one is you're always be tired. Consumerism is exhausting. 
Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy tells a story of a peasant whose master came to him one day and said, you know what? I am going to give you as much land as you can walk around in 24 hours. So as much land as you can walk around in 24 hours, it'll be yours. So the peasant gets up very early that next day in the morning. He puts on his Nike trainers because he's like, I am going to make this work for me. And he runs as far and as fast as he can go for 24 hours because he knows the more I cover, the more I get. Well, at the, tw- at the end of that 24 hours, do you know what happened? That peasant dropped down dead. What is the point of having all of this stuff if at the end of the day we are not around to enjoy it or make use of it? But when we are not content, we are always tired. Proverbs 23 verse 4 says this, Do not wear yourself out to become rich. But be wise enough to restrain yourself. What is the point, church? What is the point of us getting more and more and more and more and more if we're too exhausted or perhaps worse still, dead to enjoy it? I heard someone say once, and I love it. He says, even, even, If you win the rat race, guess what? You're still a rat. (laughs) So you may win the rat race. Woohoo, I'm a winner, but you're a rat. And we have to remember that. You know, you might be striving and doing whatever it is you're doing to get more and to get ahead. At the end of the day, I might win it, but I'm still a rat. When you are not content, one of the fruits you will see in your life possibly is that you're always tired. So if you're sitting there saying, man, I feel like I'm always tired. Maybe, maybe God is trying to highlight to you this morning. You know what? You just need to learn the art of being content. The second thing I've noticed in my life and in the life of others, when I'm not content, my expenses always increase. Who's heard the saying, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? Do you know what they don't tell you about that saying? So is the water bill. The grass is greener on the other side, but guess what? The water bill is higher. And we, don't, we forget that. We're too busy looking at what others are doing. It's better over there. It's better, but the, so are the expenses. I want to tell you to the, this morning that it's one thing to get stuff. It's another thing to maintain that stuff. The more you have, the more expenses you have. Ecclesiastes 5.11 says this. The more wealth a person has, the more friends he has to help him spend it. Your expenses are always increasing. If you're not content and you're on that rat race and you're on that treadmill and you are getting more and more and working harder and trying to achieve more and doing more, your expenses, you'll feel like, I just can't earn enough money. But the truth is, it's not that you're not, you're not earning enough money. You've just got too many wants. We think we don't earn enough when often the truth is we just want too much. If you're looking at your budget and saying, my expenses are always increasing, possibly this morning it's a sign to you that you are not living in a content space. Thirdly, the other thing I often see in my life and in the lives of others is when I'm not content, it adds to my stress. I'm often constantly stressed. The more you have, 
the more you worry. It goes hand in hand. Now you have to understand the heart of this message. This is not an attack on things. This is not an attack on you having, I like things and I I like nice stuff. This is a discussion about how you need to be content with what it is you already have. And the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says this, The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. With more comes more stress. Do you know that every time I go to the supermarket and I park in the car park, I never have to worry or stress about my Porsche being scratched. I don't own a Porsche, so that's why I don't stress about it. In fact, right now, I don't even own a car, (laughs) so I don't have to stress about it. Now, again, it's not picking on things, it's just letting us know the more we have, the more stress it causes. If I had a really nice car, I I probably would walk to the shops because I don't trust anyone to not park their car, get out and ding my car. And it's a big difference if I take Geordie's little Hyundai, which is bright green, that if somebody uh, nicks the door, I've got nail polish that'll match. I can just get in there and paint it. But if I've got a Porsche or a very nice expensive car, I'm not going to touch that thing with nail polish. And it's probably going to cost me 10000 bucks just to have the scratch fixed. It's just the way it goes. With more, and when you're not content, with more stuff comes more stress. So it's not about you can't have more. Just realise what goes with that. And if you're feeling more stressed, you've got to start looking, actually, am I discontent? Am I not content? I'm on that rat race. I'm getting more and more. And so it's bringing more stress into my life. The fourth thing I've noticed about when I'm not content is that I have more conflict in my life. Proverbs 15.27 says, The greedy brings ruin to their household. It's not things happen to their household and ruin comes. It says the greedy bring ruin to their household. We bring it to ourselves. We have more conflict when we're not content. You know, the sad statistic today is that our divorce rate is sitting at about 50%. 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. And of those 50%, the highest contributor by stats is money. That there, I know there are relational breakdowns and other factors, but the highest reason given for the marriages ending in Australia in 2015 is money problems, money stress. We used to stay at the altar until death do us part. In 2015, we're more like saying until debt do we part. It's just a sign of the times. It's a sign that this world is not content. So if you're feeling like stress is increasing in your life, possibly God is trying to highlight to you, you're struggling with the fruit of contentedness. And then finally, talking about some signs of where you might not be content, is that you'll always be dissatisfied. If you're not content with what you have now, you will forever be wanting more. And the scary thing is there's always more to be had. And so if you're not content and you want more and there's always more to have, we're always going to be dissatisfied, always looking for more. Apple is the greatest proof of that. They bring out an iPhone 5. 
And you think, well, you know what? I need the, the four's old school now. I'll get the five. No, no sooner have you got the five you've got at home, you're just unwrapping the package. You've just popped the SIM card in and then they advertise iPhone 5C. It's like, oh, so I, you know what? I can put up with my five. It's fine. And then next, what comes next? iPhone 6. And then not only is it iPhone 6, but now they wait until you've just got your iPhone 6. Then they bring out now iPhone 6 comes in bigger. You can get it in bigger. It's constantly because they understand the human psyche. We're not content. And if I keep creating things that you want, when you're dissatisfied, you'll forever be wanting more. The iPhone 5 doesn't suit me anymore. Not because it doesn't work. Not because it's not good. But because I'm not content and there's something better. And when I'm not content, I'll be dissatisfied with my five. No, it doesn't matter that it's perfect, but I need to have what else is out there. So if you're not content, you will always be dissatisfied. Who here this morning would like less of, the, of what I've just shared? Who wants less stress, less discontentment? Who wants less worry about things they don't need to worry about? Who wants to not be tired? Well, if that's you and you're like me, then we need to learn the art of being content. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If you want to have less of those things that I've shared this morning, then we need to learn the art of being content. And so this morning, I just wanna share four keys I believe will help us so that we can be more content. Because we all said we want greater gain, but the Bible tells us that the way to get greater gain is to be content. The world tells us that the way to get greater gain is to work your tail off, do more, do more, do more. And God is saying, you know what, no, to get greater gain, it's godliness with contentment. So the first key this morning of how we can be content is that we need to stop comparing. This is one of my signature points, scriptures, banner over my life is about we've just got to stop comparing. You are unique. You are a one in a whatever, I can't even say billion, million, trillion, whatever. You're one of a kind. There is no one like you. There are seven billion people presently on this world, plus those who've been before, plus those who will come. And not one of them has your fingerprints. Not one of them. You are unique. And we have to have a revelation and understanding how unique we are. Stop trying to be someone else, but be you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Now I want to change that around because they is an ethereal, so we can all go they, they. Read it this way. When I measure myself by myself and compare myself with myself, I am not wise. If you want to stop um, comparing, you've got to understand you are unique. If you want to be content in this world, then you've got to understand you are unique. Your fingertips, your fingertips, your fingerprints, your gifts, your talents, the way God has made you. When He sits down and He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together. 
I put those gifts and talents in you. I made you that way. And I, when I speak with the women, I said, you know what? When we tell God that we're not happy with the way He made us, and you might not literally have a conversation that says, God, I'm really not impressed the way you designed me. But when we live trying to be anything but who we are, that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, no, I've got a better way. I've got it. I understand better. I would have done a better job with me. When you don't understand and you try and be something else, you're telling God that He failed. You're telling God that you know better, that I could have done a better job. It's, we're sticking our nose or thumbing our nose up at God. And He's made us a certain way. He's made you on purpose and for a purpose. One of my favourite sayings um, is Edwin Elliott. He says, by being yourself, you put something wonderful in the world that wasn't there before. God needs you. But He needs you to be you. Do you know what? There's somebody here. There's somebody in my world. There's somebody that I'm going to run into uh, tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. There's somebody I'm going to run into who, guess what? They need me. Because God has designed and purposed and put it in such a way that He goes, I know who can help in this situation. She can. But you know, how sad would it be if I run into my um, appointment that God has ordained and set apart, but it's not me, it's me trying to be somebody else. And that's how we do life. But God says you've been designed on purpose, for a purpose. I made you the way you are. Stop trying to be the person next to you because you're not going to do a really good job anyway. And if you're them, who's you when I need you here? Now... Now, you may struggle with that in terms of, oh, you know, are you saying that God can't? No, I'm just saying be you. Be you. Understand that you are unique. And when we're talking about stopping comparing, we have to understand there's an art for us to admire without having to acquire. And we mix it up. We admire and think, oh, how can I get about acquiring that? No, no. We have to admire, I'd love the fact that that works for you, that you do that. I love the fact you have the ability to be able to be that and do that. I love the fact that you've got this and you've got that. I can admire that, but I've got to learn the art of admiring it without having to acquire it. You don't need to own someone else's stuff to enjoy it. That's the benefit of community. I pump community from the front because I believe in the power of it. Here's If you sit here today and you're just like, no, I just like to do life as my own little line and come in and go, you can. But let me, I, we're trying to teach you ways as to why you should do community. Here's one reason. Because you know what? Some of the things you want and need, they're in this house already. There are people here who have swimming pools. You go, oh, I'd like a swimming pool. You don't need one. You do community, you'll find someone who's got a swimming pool. Maybe a boat, a holiday home. A thermomix, I'm just trying to think of things for a, 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 a math tutor. There's all sorts of things that are in the community of God's house that you know what, you can admire, you don't have to acquire and you get the benefit if you do community to be able to do it. Now, I'm not advocating you just go and invite yourself to somebody's home. The preacher said, you've got a pool, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm saying if you do community, you'll develop relationships and friendships. You won't have to acquire and you can admire. And while we're talking about stop comparing, can I just do another note? We've got to learn to not compare what others have with what we don't have. 
You know, when we first planted this church 21 years ago, um, I was in a different space. Um, I was working. Um, if you look at Tony and I, we, we, we're different. He's loud, out there, friendly. I'm not, not friendly, but I'm a little bit not as forward. I've had to learn some of the things I do. And when, we, when I was first asked, would I preach, would I do this? My first reaction was, but I can't do what he does. And I felt God say, I'm not asking you to do what he does. I'm asking you to do what I've asked you to do. And Romans 12 is a great chapter where it talks about with the grace that's been given to you. It talks about your race, what you need to do. And God says, you know what, you've got to... So my, the scripture I took hold of, someone spoke over me was, preach in accordance to your faith, Kath. Don't try and be Tony doing this and all this stuff. Just do it with who you are and you'll grow and you'll develop and you can learn things. But at the end of the day, it's who I am. And you've got to understand, you know what, don't sit there and go, well, I can't do that because I don't have this. You know what, look at what you've got. I've got this so I can do this. Stop comparing and saying, I can't do it because they've got that and I don't. Don't compare what you don't have with what someone else does have. If you're talking about how do you be content, you've got to stop comparing. The second key we're talking about, how do I be content, is you've got to enjoy what you have. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which rich, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is a good, good Father. It's not just a song. God is a good, good Father. Scripture says that He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Scripture says that uh, every good gift is pleasing from the Father. It says here, He has given us everything for our enjoyment. The problem is we don't enjoy what we've already got. We're too busy saying, give me the next thing, give me the next thing, give me the next thing. I mean, how many can think of Christmas Day or birthdays, especially if you've got young kids, and you give them the present and it's like, rip up the paper, great. It's like, uh, you, you don't want to play with that one. But because they know grandma's coming with a gift, they know aunties are coming with a gift, mum and dad have got a gift, maybe my siblings have got a gift, we've trained them that there's more coming. And Christmas is a great example to us of where we just go, gimme, gimme, thanks, thanks. And as a parent, I get mortified that I would give my child a gift and they go, yeah, thanks, but their hand's already out for the next one. But that's a picture of what we do to God. He's given us things. We've got gifts and talents. He's given us things and we're too busy going, yeah, next. You want to be content? Start enjoying what it is you already have. You all have something now. That Again, the next people say, oh, I don't have a gift. No, the Bible says, each the gift that's been given to each and every one of you in Romans 12. You've all got a gift. You've all got a talent. There's something you can do that can contribute. And we need to get to that point where I'm going to enjoy what it is I've got. I will not be content until I enjoy what I already have. We are working so hard to get more. We never enjoy what we have now. And so to enjoy what we have now, we've got to develop a sense of appreciation. Just focus on what I've got rather than what I don't have. And can I let you in on another little key? It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be excessive or expensive. I love the fact when we take our kids overseas and we can go to third world countries, when they come back, they have an appreciation for what it is they have. They may have left our shores going, well, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this and I don't have that. But I'm telling you, when they come back and they've seen what others don't have, 
language changes. It doesn't need to be much. We sent a team of significant women went to India. And um, when they came back, they had a new appreciation for something that is so insignificant and none of us would even give a second thought about. Do you want to know what it was? Toilet paper. They spent two weeks in India going to the bathroom with a bucket and ladle. You've got to enjoy what you got. When they left, they, weren't, they didn't think toilet paper was anything exciting or great. In fact, if they went to a public toilet, they probably complained that it was more like tracing paper than toilet paper. But you go to India for two weeks and you have to use a bucket and ladle. When you come back, you'll give me that tracing paper. Give me that, you know. And if it's four pies, it's like, oh! <laughs> Appreciate doesn't have to be great for us to develop a sense of appreciation, for us to be thankful for what it is we already have, to enjoy what it, who knew you can enjoy toilet paper? Go to India, you'll know I can enjoy toilet paper. Awesome. When we're talking about how do we enjoy what it is we already have, we've got to stop complaining and start exclaiming. Oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. Like I said, my kids come back, I come back from a third world context left saying, I don't have this, I don't have that. I come back going, thank you, God, I have this. Thank you, God, I have three meals a day. Thank you, God, it's not just rice. Thank you, God. So stop stop complaining and start exclaiming. And we need to stop the when and then thinking. When I get married, then. When I have a baby, then. When I finish study, then. When I get a job, then. When I'm no longer married, then. When the kids have left home, then. We've got to stop. You want to enjoy what it is you've got now? Stop the when and then thinking. Enjoy what you have now. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but you're as happy as you choose to be. I believe that passionately. I'm not a good counsellor because people come in, they say that, and that's often my standard line. Well, you're as happy as you choose to be. Smack. Okay. (laughs) Maybe you should go see someone else. (laughs) If you are not happy with a little, you won't be happy with a lot. In fact, you'll just be miserable with more. It's the way it goes. People say, I'm going to win the lottery. You know what? The lottery won't change your life because if you're miserable without it, you'll be miserable with it. You've got to, if you want to be content, you have to enjoy what you have now. Thirdly, we have to remember that life is not about things. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We have taught it from the front ad nauseum that your net worth does not equal your self-worth. And it's about time as believers we started to not only believe that, but live like that. Your net worth has no indication whatsoever on your self-worth. For God said, He so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son. He said, He knit you together in your mother's womb. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, you know what? I have chosen you. In fact, the message says, I have hand-picked 
you. It says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You have an amazing self-work, not because of who you are, but because of what Christ has done for you. Your self-worth is not impacted by your net worth. But we forget that and then don't live that way. We live like my net worth is all about my self-worth. If I have more, if I have this, if I have that, then people will see me as. No, God has already seen you as. He made a way for you. When you understand that, what you have has no bearing on that whatsoever. Your net worth is not your self-worth. We make our life about acquisition and achievements. And I'm not here to knock them because I believe in doing well. I, I like stuff, but I've just understand that life is not about things. And so acquisitions are cool and achievements are good, but not in wrong priority. We're talking about how do you be content? If you've got acquisitions and achievements and you're discontent, you've made life about things and you need to have that revelation. Have you ever been to a funeral and heard a eulogy where they've talked about stuff? I had the privilege and the sadness of conducting a funeral not so long ago. And you don't get up and say, hey, John, let me tell you about John. John drove a really nice car. In fact, it was a 1998 Ford Mustang. It had leather interior. Actually, it had that little trim. And you know the little horse that's on the front and then the wheels? And then let me tell you about the house that John lived in. had a nice white picket fence. Had one of those pavilion things that that woman's talking about. Had an outdoor kitchen. John's style, you know, he liked Roger David suits. And then John's jewellery, you know, Mazzucchelli jewellers, jewellers. I don't have jewellery, so I don't know the name. That's what, no, we don't talk about stuff. When you go to, when there's a eulogy, you talk about the person and the relationships and what they did for you and in you, how that man made me feel, what that man did for his kids. What he's, we talk about relationships. We don't talk about stuff. If you want to be content, you need to remember life is not about things. And as I said, it's not wrong to have things, but let's use our things to reach people. Because that scripture said that life does not consist in the abundance of things. And then finally, I'm going to ask that the band can make their way up. The fourth key, I believe, in how we can uh, develop the art of being content is to focus on things that last forever. Do you know everything eventually wears out? You and I are the only things that last forever. You and I are eternal. And we have to understand that we use our money and use our stuff to be a blessing to people. We have a saying in our house, we've had it from day dot, that I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. We've never said when I'm blessed. We've said right from the get-go, I am blessed. We don't say I'm blessed when everything goes right for me. It's I am blessed by God. We don't say when I get that promotion, I'm blessed, but it's I'm blessed by God. Why? So I can be a blessing to others. People are the only thing that lasts forever. There are only two things you and I can take with us when we leave this earth. And make no mistake about it, every one of us is leaving this earth. It's our character and the people we've influenced along the way. 
all of us will stand before our Heavenly Father and He's going to ask us the question, what did you do with my son? And it's all good and well to say, yeah, but look at my car, look at my home, look at my outfits, look at my stuff. And God's going to say, yeah, yeah, good, but what did you do with my son? Now, I might not have a lot of stuff. And even that is comparative because you can sit there and say, well, you've got more stuff than me, which is why we talked about don't compare because it's all relative. So I might not have a lot of stuff and I can't point to a lot of stuff. But you know what I can point to? I can point to people who have benefited from what I did with what I have. I can say, you know what? This person, I opened my home to them when no one else would. We've done life together. And you know what? They met Jesus. When I stand before God the Father, I say, look at the people I've influenced because I let God use my stuff. We can look at it as a church context. There's things that we've done. Just say, you know what? Look at the people who know Christ, have come into a relationship whose eternity has been changed. Their destiny has been affected. Why? Because I didn't concentrate on being content. I didn't concentrate on things I needed for me, but I focused on the things that lasted forever. As I close and invite Chris up to finish, there's a, there's a lie that goes around in society today that says you can have it all. And the fact is, you can't have it all. It's a lie. The truth is, you actually don't need it all to be happy. You just got to remember, someone says you can have it all. One, just say liar. You can't have it all. But then the next thing is rather than just heap abuse on them about lying, just go, you know what? I don't need it all. I don't need it to be happy. I am as happy as I choose to be with what I've already got. The secret to contentment is not getting more stuff. It's finding all I need, not in what I have, but in whose I am. And I'm just going to close with our original scripture, 1 Timothy 6.6, but I want to read it to you in the Amplified Version. It says this, But godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. Actually, godliness is a great source of profit when it's combined with being happy with what you already have. To have a healthy relationship with money, we need to learn the art of being content. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 